Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Budiwa Gavaza, and for today we get into uh, what I think is going to be a very informative and uh, inspiring conversation, and uh, that's around, uh, we always talk about uh, the digital revolution and how everyone, uh, you know, needs to have uh, digital literacy, digital skills of some sort, and today we're going to be talking to someone who's made it their mission, um, you know, to fulfill fill you know that particular mandate but also uh, importantly just given how quickly technology um, advances you know what type of skills are necessary or required in the current market once upon a time everyone you know and their mother wanted to be a coder a computer programmer then it was cloud computing then it was data science we're just going to be hearing you know where we are in the market so yeah we are happy to be joined uh, by Zandilem Kwanazi um, who who is a co-founder and CEO over at GoCode. Zandile, greetings to you today. Greetings, Mudiwa. Thank you so much for having me. Good place to start, of course, is uh, GoCode itself. I've tried, you know, to summarize in a sentence um, what it is that you guys do. But given the fact that this is something that you've been working on uh, for a number of years, maybe you can give us a much fuller picture of uh, what it is that you guys are up to, the type of work that you're doing. Yeah, just to give us a sense um, of GoCode as an organization. Yes, thank you. Um, so GoCode is a social enterprise. Um, essentially, our whole mandate is to get more young girls and women into the tech space. And of course, the first question I get is why women? Um, yeah, there's a huge gender gap um, when you're talking about the tech industry um, in terms of having more women representation. So that's our, that's our mandate and our focus. And essentially, we have a range of programs that start from, you know, a 10-year-old um, who's in grade four all the way to someone who's 35 and, you know, is currently unemployed and looking for opportunities. So we have um, a range of programs. So we start with um, primary school where we go into schools across the country and we teach encoding on weekends, um, similarly with high schools. And then for the unemployed youth, specifically women, we have skills programs that we run where we are um, upskilling up them in terms of, like you mentioned, cloud computing, um, software development. And the whole thing is that we want people to have the relevant skills so that they can enter into the labor market and you know become productive members of society. So in a nutshell, that's what GoCode is all about. And all our programs are free to our beneficiaries um, because, you know, for us, it's important that we make sure that the right people or the people that don't necessarily get these opportunities are able to participate without the additional burden of the cost. And so that's how we, you know, then partner with big organizations to make it happen. Now, it certainly sounds like there's a lot that's going on. I know that you said in a nutshell, but, uh, you know, when someone actually looks at and listens to the uh, the range of things that you guys are doing. There's actually a lot uh, that's uh, that's actually involved there. Uh, there's a piece around uh, education, and inside there, there's layers of you know primary, secondary. I'm sure there's a tertiary element. You spoke about you know unemployed people. Um, you began talking about uh, the mission to make sure that there's uh, you know better representation for women. Um, one of the things I'm curious about though is the fact that. Um, 
you find yourself in a situation where you're talking about a social enterprise. I'm always interested when people talk about social enterprise because um, that is uh, that is a realm, you know, which uh, uh, which I think some people sometimes understand and don't understand because there's sometimes a conflation between uh, what's going on in the nonprofit space and NGOs, etc. And I think sometimes people have that immediate thing, oh, it's a social enterprise, okay, it's an NGO. Uh, but, you know, we actually had the benefit last week, funny enough, literally a week ago, we're talking to Dr. Ernest Oko, who's from um, an organization called Broadreach, and they're a social enterprise that's been going on for 20 years. And he was like, listen, this thing is profitable, it's making money, uh, because if you're going to fulfill some of these big picture items, uh, big problems to attack in society, you need to have a sustainable business model. So maybe you could just talk to us a little bit around, you know, your approach um, when it comes to social enterprise. A hundred percent. I think sustainability is the key word. Um, so we, for the longest time and still now, are registered as a nonprofit organization. I think... Um, though when you when you're looking to scale and when you're looking to to grow, our mission and vision is ten million women in the next ten years, right? That's that's a huge number. Um, it needs a lot of funding behind it. It needs a lot of you know people behind it. And so we recently um, also started to pivot and think of ourselves as a social enterprise because we've started to introduce ways to generate revenue that can help us be sustainable that can help us invest in more programs and grow as an organization. And I think that's that's the key term of sort of being a local, you know, NGO, NPO, where, you know, you focus on, say, one community and you're not necessarily looking at scaling out towards the country or the continent, um, to thinking about being a social enterprise where you're essentially running, whether you're registered as a nonprofit or a for-profit, but you're running I think two things, you run in the company um, to make a profit so that you can, you know, continue your social mission. Um, and then the key one is having a social mission behind what you're doing, right? So um, I don't think any sort of PTY can just say I'm a social enterprise if their mission is not really on the social, um, or focusing on the social problem. So that's how we, we view ourselves. And we've, we've done a lot of things to pivot and introduce revenue models so that we are sustainable and we can grow. I mean, we have big ambitions to go beyond the South African borders, looking into other countries, because as we are well aware, tech is needed everywhere, globally, in fact. Um, and Africa having one of the youngest population in the world is ripe for upskilling and getting young people to position themselves at the forefront of this fourth industrial revolution, you know, the famous term we like using. Um, so that's, 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 that's our mission. And obviously at the forefront of that, we want it to be women. It's always great, at least um, hearing, um, I guess, such lines of thinking, um, simply because um, there needs to be a departure sometimes from, uh, there are spaces where um, relying on donor funding specifically for a purpose, you get in there, um, you fulfill that purpose, funding runs out and the project is done. Yes, there are spaces for that. But in a lot of instances, especially where you have the big goals, like you said, right, you do need to have those engines that uh, that are running and funneling cash into uh, the mission because 10 million is not an easy number to get to. So we definitely, uh, it's great to see sustainability from that point of view. How long have you guys been operating? 
So initially, I started GoCode in 2014. Um, so technically nine years. However, I only left my job to do this full time in 2019, just before COVID. <laughs> so, um, so it's still a young organization in terms of being a fully staffed with employees and running full-on programs. Um, between 2014 and 2019, we were doing our hackathon. So, you know, maybe quickly for those that don't know what a hackathon is, you get, we're not hacking into systems uh, or anything like that, by the way, as a disclaimer. But basically, over a 24-hour period, we challenge, you know, our beneficiaries to build solutions that um, basically solve some of the problems that we have in our communities. So you have like 24 hours to come up with, you know, an IoT solution or a web solution or an app solution. And from that, you know, there's lots of prizes to be given away. It's such a fun event. So um, that's what we did from 2014 to 2019. And from then on, when I decided to be full-time in this, we started introducing some of the trainings that we currently do. All right. Now, at least we we get that. That's actually quite a big gap, but it's understandable, especially if you were trying to put in, you know, some of those revenue models to make it, um, you know, sustainable. And that move to actually going in full time, it's always a big uh, step for any person, um, you know, who started something. So definitely happy to see um, that you've been able to achieve at least that, um, you know, as a milestone of some sort. One of the things, though, um, that a lot of people speak about is, uh, you know, we've got the funding piece that we spoke about just now. Um, you've, worked, you've got your mission um, to get to uh, 10 million women. Um, and in that, you need partners. And one of the reasons why you and I are speaking today is because um, there's a partnership uh, that you guys have uh, recently signed with uh, AWS, that's Amazon Web Services, uh, probably the biggest cloud computing company in the world, and uh, Standard Bank, you know, the largest uh, bank um, on the African continent. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit around that? We'll get a little bit into, you know, other things, but just as an overview of what's going on on that front. Yes. Um, so so we've been working with AWS for, for a number of years now, I believe five years or so. Um, and uh, Standard Bank also, we, you know, relationship goes back to 2017. Um, but I think with this particular partnership, um, AWS as well as the Standard Bank, team really wanted to sort of find a way to, you know, create a large impact by making sure that we are skilling at a large scale and giving young women an opportunity to get industry certified, which I think we've seen now with companies that's becoming more important than perhaps just having a degree. We want to know that against someone who's sitting in the U.S., you know, you, you can compete with them because the industry standard is the same when you're talking about the certifications that AWS offer. And so we embarked on certifying women specifically with the cloud practitioner um, certification where it's foundation level, but it also is a good foundation for you to then start upskilling and getting to, you know, a specialist level. There's, there's quite a number of certifications on the way. So um, that's how the partnership came about. We really just wanted to, and obviously women, again, being important that we give them the right skills, the skills that industry is looking for so that it can open doors for them. Um, yeah, that's how the, the, and we had, I believe, like 3,000, over 3,000 women um, wanting to be part of this. And, you know, we issued quite a number of vouchers and, 
if you go on our social media, you'll see a lot of them testifying to having been certified. I, I mean, I took up the challenge myself. You know, it's like I'm always talking about upskilling other women. I'm also going to do it. And I did the learning. I wrote the certification and I passed, uh, which is great because if I failed, you know, um, that would have been awkward. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a great sort of foundation to start understanding what the cloud is all about. The sort of also those buzzwords where it's like cloud this, cloud that. And for a lot of people, um, it's like, you know, like besides the cloud that you currently see when you look out, um, it's, it's, it's a foreign thing. And what was really amazing about this initiative is that we allowed anyone, you know, so I mean, as long as you're a woman, you could participate. So you didn't necessarily have to have an IT background. It was more about giving you that footing and understanding what cloud is about and what, how you can position yourself to get a career in that space. You know, I think sometimes people are curious uh, to actually understand, especially people that are starting businesses or that are in businesses, uh, just around how some of these partnerships work. You know what I mean? You have a mission and uh, AWS and Standard Bank are businesses in their own right. One is a tech company, the other one financial services. Firstly, um, alignment, you know, uh, what's the alignment? And then secondly, how do things work? As in, do you guys sit and decide, okay, this is our mission, this is what we're going to do? Does an AWS come to you and say, you know, we want impact and we feel like we can channel that through you like how does you know some of these uh some of those nitty-gritties actually work i think you, you you said it um the keyword also is alignment right um i think what i've also seen because i get a lot of questions from young entrepreneurs that how are you able to partner with such you know big multinational corporations um the one before we get to alignment i think the one is sort of building a strong brand you know, as someone sort of new to the market or just starting out, it's quite difficult to convince any corporate, you know, to back you without any sort of prior um, rapport showing that this is what we've been able to do. So on the one hand, I think over the, like I said, it's starting in 2014. You know, it seems like now that there's, you know, Gold Code is all over the social media and people know about it, it might seem like, oh, it's an instant success. We've, you know, seen a lot of those, like, instant fame or success that took 10 years. <laughs> this is quite literally the story. We've built out the brand for a number of years um, to get to a point where when I walk up to a corporate and say, we would like to partner, you know, I have all of that history to say, this is what we've done. This is, you know, what we've showed. But the key thing is you need to understand what the organizations themselves are trying to achieve. You need to understand Standard Bank's mandate, and by the way, the organization as a whole's mandate is not necessarily every department's mandate. That's the challenge also. You need to find the right department within the whole um, company that aligns with what you are trying to achieve. Um, and that, that comes with research. I think, you know, research is underrated. I do a lot of research on companies. And LinkedIn has just made it, you know, so much easier. You can go on it and find exactly the right person to talk to. And that's that's how we've built relationships specifically with all these corporates where firstly researching, finding out what are the departments, is there a CSR department, what is their mandate, what are they focused on? If there's an alignment and they're focused on, you know, digital skills, then already that's like, okay, we tick that box. 
how do we then get to the decision maker? You know, LinkedIn, find people working in this department at Standard Bank, reach out to them and be like, this is a proposal. I believe that, you know, there's this alignment, there's these synergies, and together we, we can create the impact. Basically, the ROI is we can help you achieve your goals um, through us. You know, so that's, that's like once you have all of those thoughts connected, it makes it so much easier to get in the door and have those conversations. Um, and I think, uh, you know, what I've seen is a lot of people just want to like, oh, but, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing good. You should, you should help me. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You could be doing amazing, but if there isn't that, if you're not helping the organization reach their targets, you know, they won't necessarily be able to partner with you. Uh, I, I like I like the practicality that you just uh, dove into there, especially the part where a person needs to understand that uh, a standard bank or an AWS is not a monolith, that there's literally dozens of different departments inside that uh, inside those organizations that are all trying to achieve different things so that they can reach that overall organizational goal um right so i think that was uh, you know that's actually quite uh, good and quite deep um but the other piece in there is also i guess the research part that you were talking about you know uh, aligned there a curiosity once again on my end because once again we're trying to understand all of this stuff for you because you're a social enterprise and we were trying to make those distinctions earlier on between how um, um, the sustainability of your of your model versus the normal donor funding way of doing things. Um, does a partnership, do partnerships like this for you guys work as specific project finance? You know, okay, this is a project or is it, uh, is it uh, an actual form of uh, revenue into a business? How do you guys treat it? Um, yeah, so so there's 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 two sort of partnerships um, or, or ways to to look at it and how we've looked at it. There's there's projects, right? So there's there's certain projects that you do with an organization. It has a start date and an end date, and that's it. Um, and you get whatever funding you get from it. Um, but again, that talks to it, you know, the sustainability. That's not really sustainable because. You don't know if another project is going to come or not. And the way we've recently started to look at it is, what is your strategy as an organization, as a, as a department? Um, because strategy is usually longer than just a year for them to achieve a specific outcome or goal. And if it aligns to what we're trying to achieve, how do we then become your partner for that period of time, for the next three years? Um, so that it's it's also sustainable for us, um, and we know that for three years, we have a partnership with this particular company, and we have, you know, recurring revenue that's coming for the next three years and allows us to grow. I think if you just if you just focus on just let me do a project, then it's great you can get the project, um, but what happens afterwards? Um, and one of the other things, which I think is really key when working with any sort of big organization, is also to try and find multiple departments or multiple people that you can associate with um, and help them reach their mandate as opposed to one person. Because we know that people, you know, leave organizations and 
Yeah, um, and once that happens, you know, the danger is that the next person might not necessarily align with you, and then, you know, that, there goes that partnership. So we try and make sure that it's first a multi-year partnership, um, as opposed to just project-based, and then secondly, partnering up with as many different departments or, you know, decision makers so that they become our ambassadors within the organization. And we can basically have a long-term relationship beyond that one particular uh, project that we did. So I think that's very, that's very, very key. And again, you know, it talks to the one important word we've talked about, which is sustainability and also being able to scale out your programs, especially with us having such a big, big um, ambition and like, mission um, of beneficiaries that we want to reach okay i i think i think i see that i i think at this point you might as well as part of the offering have some type of a master class um, around how people can actually um, achieve some of these things and i think it also speaks to the experience uh, that you were talking about just now because um, you know a decade in the game means that you've probably um, encountered and probably hit your head against um, a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff trying to get things done and you now have a very good understanding of uh, you know things and how they are happening quick one I'm not sure what you what you can and cannot share, but um, you gave us your mission earlier on. Do you do we know how many people you've been able to impact so far? Yeah, so we we're trying to keep track of the number. Um, we just over seventy thousand um young women and girls, and this is as I mentioned at the beginning through our various programs where we've done outreaches at schools, we've done hour of coding, just to introduce young people to the concept of coding all the way to the trainings that we do, the formal trainings that, you know, takes three months, 12 months. Um, yeah, we, we still have a long way to go. I think over the next coming years, because the 10 years actually mark is 2030. So we're reaching it very soon. And so we, we, we need to be more sort of aggressive in terms of our growth, in terms of introducing programs, not only in other like parts of South Africa, but in other parts of Af the African continent. And that, that's going to be my driver for the next couple of years. Um, because I want, I want to like get to 2030 and have like a massive, you know, sort of invite of all our beneficiaries and see like millions of women, not only in South Africa, but globally that can testify to you know, being impacted by Gold Code one way or another. And already we've seen that. I mean, you have eight, eight um, Gold Coders in the UK living there um, as a result of one of our programs. So, so it's, it's, it's a daunting task, but it's also exciting because um, it's, it's just a key driver to changing the landscape for South Africa and making sure that, you know, we deal with this unemployment rate and we deal with, like, specifically women not participating in the economy all right that's actually you know that's actually a good one and uh, you know hopefully in the coming years we will see that uh, that big gathering where you have uh, those uh, millions of women there the last two you know points that we want to uh, touch on uh, zandile in the conversation is just around uh, is just around skills right and uh, because you've got the mission we've spoken about the business model but specifically um what is actually being taught 
um, in the in the various classes, interventions, courses, programs uh, that you guys have going on now. Um, I, I alluded to it earlier on that uh, technology is always changing quickly. And um, the other piece in that is that we've seen, you know, back in the day, everyone wanted to be a coder. Then it was no, um, yeah, everyone wanted to be a coder. Then after that, it was uh, it was about data science. And I think at the moment, um, artificial intelligence is a big thing that people are talking about. Um, so it's about uh, how are you guys structuring the programs and just making sure uh, that people I don't know if a person can even future-proof themselves really in the current environment, but at least um, keeping themselves relevant in the market uh, for as long as possible. Yes. Um, so you're quite right. You know, the, the technology space is constantly changing, constantly evolving, new technologies coming out. You know, at some point there was it's still a blockchain Um yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot, and it can be quite overwhelming if you're trying to keep up with everything. Um, so the future-proofing is important because, obviously, you want to make sure that you're still relevant and you're still able to get a job in any given market. What we've done um, and how our approach to sort of upskilling is that we, through our partnerships with the different organizations, want to make sure that we're focusing on skills that those organizations are looking for. You know, there's no sort of, not that there's no point, but I feel like if we were to also be chasing all these technologies and looking at South Africa, I mean, we're still realistically still way behind. Um, so there's not a lot of blockchain opportunities in South Africa. There's not a lot of really like AI um, job opportunities and so if we were trying to chase every new technology coming out we wouldn't get anywhere and so our strategy is let our partners tell us what they want if our partner you know if say standard bank comes and says we're looking for you know and I, ai is broad by the way when you say ai you know there's quite a lot of like subsections to it um but saying that we're looking for people that are machine learning experts then we can put together a program, um, you know, co-produce it and say, this is this is the, the content of it. And so we're going to go out there in the market, find unemployed young women and upskill them so that you can directly employ them because you're looking for the skill set. I think that's a key thing, being employable and making sure that right now you're talking to companies and understanding what are their, what are their gaps and how do we then help them fulfill that gap? It, it goes back to the ROI. If you're just doing sort of your own thing and you're just like, oh, but you know, we now want to do AI because it's the, it's the end thing, but nobody, you know, there's no, there's no market specifically in South Africa for that or for people to be employed in that space, then I feel like you're still setting up people, you know, for disappointment and they get the skill, but they can't apply it. Um, so that's how we go about it. And obviously just being mindful of what's happening, being aware, and then sort of having a pipeline of this is the new technologies that we'll start introducing into our programs. Um, I think that's, that's the only realistic way to, to go about it because tomorrow we'll, we'll be talking, I mean, when I log into LinkedIn, I ask like chat GPT, chat GPT, you know, um, next month it will be something else. So, yeah. 
Now, no, like, no, no, no doubt that the likes of ChatGPT have completely um, destroyed uh, the way that uh, people thought about uh, technology in a lot of ways. And like you said, there's a lot of advancements that's that's going on. So having a framework of how to think as opposed to those specific um, those specific book type of learning that we've traditionally been taught i think it's a good way to move forward maybe yeah that's where we can end off zandile because you about ai there's a lot of noise being made about uh, chat gpt that is one branch um, of the artificial intelligence pie you know specifically generative ai it's text-based uh, but you know out there in the market there's a lot of other things that are going on you know whether it's generating video generating audio um, generating artwork and the like you said something that i find very interesting to say that there isn't a lot of opportunity as much as these skills are valuable sometimes there isn't a lot of opportunity in the local market for for some of these uh, some of these roles does that then mean that for a lot of people that are highly skilled you sort of have to can i say leave south africa and then come back with what you've learned um you know or yeah i think that's that's the question i'm asking you know just to i get get a sense of uh, how things are looking uh, as someone who is teaching people as someone who's looking at the market um there is there's always that question to say um is the country actually benefiting from 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 these skills or do you find that with some of the people that go through these programs um they end up going to another country because you've got a great skill but it's not something that can be absorbed in the local market yeah so i think um it's it's a combination of both um but the one thing we can thank covid for is making remote working, you know, so more widely spread, which has meant that we can actually partner with, and we have already organizations in other countries without having to leave the country where they can employ people and, you know, they can work remotely, earn dollars, earn pounds, but still be spending it on the local economy. So so it's sort of like two birds, um, one stone type scenario, which is the perfect scenario, meaning that People don't have to leave their homes and their families and their friends, but they can use the skills that they're getting, specifically from our programs, to work for global companies. Um, that's the beauty of it. And, and that, I think, we've seen, you know, potentially can scale out and, and, and help with the unemployment rate as opposed to just focusing on the local um you know, labor market. So that that's that's our approach to it. We really have intensified partnering with companies that are overseas, um, in Europe, in the UK, um, in America, to make sure that they can absorb some of our skill sets. And I suppose the benefit for them also is that, in comparison, when you look at the exchange rate, of course, we consider cheap labor. And if you can find cheap labor that's highly skilled. Then, you know, and, and most of the times the time zone also, you know, works out perfectly. Then that, that's, that's, that's how we position ourselves as a continent, you know, as a, as a powerhouse when it comes to the technology industry. Because on the one hand, we have young people that have the potential to be highly skilled, highly specialized, 
On the other hand, you have a global market that can outsource these skills at a relatively, you know, um, cheap price for them. But on the other side, for us, you know, pounds and dollars goes a long way in our economy. So that, that, I think that's for me is like the perfect synergy and the perfect ecosystem that we can build where we can utilize our resources to service the global market and still benefit as a local economy. In economics, we talk about comparative advantage, which is uh, where one player or, in this sense, one country is able to do something uh, faster, better, cheaper, more efficiently than another country in a specific area. And the fact that at least um, South Africa is at least growing in terms of the skill base, hopefully in the coming years, um, because Cape Town um, globally is already seen as a hub uh, you know, for great tech talent. Uh, and if we can have, you know, more of that with, where people don't just think of Cape Town, you're just thinking of South Africa as a whole, um, as a place where people can get some of this tech talent at a relatively better price, but um, at what is a good price for someone who is sitting in South Africa, uh, then like you said, it does create that perfect balance. And, you know, hopefully uh, you can get more and more because obviously the country hasn't been able to absorb uh, isn't able to absorb you know everyone when you look at the unemployment rate so if you can get some of those foreign players to be um, absorbing South Africans whilst they're in South Africa uh, then that is a great compromise so that's been it We've uh, really, you know, we've really stretched out talking about uh, Girl Code. It's been a fascinating conversation uh, talking about uh, the mission uh, to upskill um, 10 million women. And, uh, you know, a really big number talking about this business model around, you know, something like that. And uh, one of the things that uh, I liked that uh, Zandile was talking about is the fact that you need to be sustainable. Uh, but also the explanations that she was giving around um, how you view uh, the partnerships that you have uh, with large corporates, for example. How do you treat that uh, within the realm of uh, revenues and project finance and, you know, one-off things versus things that happen over time? Uh, I think that's really great. Anyone um, who is in the space or looking to do, um, you know, something like this, I'm pretty sure uh, that they've uh, been able to find a lot of value from this conversation and then of course ending off uh, talking about the skills that are needed in the market uh, a lot of people are touting the words AI, artificial intelligence um, at the moment but there's a lot that's involved inside there and it's going to be great to see um, how the space develops over time and hopefully uh, South Africa can take advantage and become a hub uh, for some of that talent uh, Zandile, anything to add before we let you go? No, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, it was also insightful from my part. Um, yeah, I'm just excited about the possibilities of, you know, what we can offer the world. I think we have really young, amazing, talented people that are just waiting to be unlocked. And I think we have the resources. We have, you know, the, the organizations that have the, the manpower in terms of the funding that can help us unlock all of these um potential resources that we can take out to the world and show really what South Africa and Africa as a whole is capable of. So for me, yeah, it's 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 an exciting space to be in and I'm 
I'm really, really grateful that I get to wake up every day and make an impact in people's lives and see them forever changed because of what we do at Go Code. So I really appreciate this conversation and the opportunity to talk about our organization and some of our partners. Here's to unlocking many more resources. That was us talking to Zandel Mkwanazi, who is our co-founder and CEO over at GoCode. Zandile, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.